Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I need you to know in advance that this episode is really difficult for me to do. Shortly after our last episode on Tuesday, I'd gotten up at the crack of dawn in order to do the episode. I was preparing for an event the night before, so the episode was late. And I took a nap afterward, maybe about two hours, and I woke up to my entire social media timeline talking about, at the time, I want to say it had been 15 kids and their teacher had been murdered at a school in Texas, another mass shooting. And literally in the episode earlier this week on Tuesday's episode, I had been talking about how I didn't go to the grocery store for maybe like a week after the shooting in Buffalo, where I want to say that was 10 black folks, most of them elders, had been massacred by by a gunman who just who, who drove two hours to go find black people in a public place and shoot them up, kill them. And then, you know, literally two weeks later, now we're talking about beautiful, small, brown kids in a school in Texas. One of the first public figures that I saw commentary from was Steve Kerr. He's the coach. I had to go look it up, too, because I, I knew he was a basketball coach, but I didn't know of what. He's a, he's a basketball coach for the Golden State Warriors, and they had a game the night of the shooting. And so he had a press conference, you know, as is standard before the game. And he sat down on the podium in front of the mic. And he was just like, I'm not in, in I'm good. I'm paraphrasing. I think most people have seen it by now. It's, it's gone viral. He's like, I'm not here to talk about basketball. 400 miles from here, there was a school shooting and, and 15 children are dead. And there's nothing more important than that. And he was like, my team hasn't done anything, you know, significant since the last time I talked to you a few hours ago. Like, yeah, we're going to play a basketball game tonight. But the focus here is these massacres, these school shootings, these um, these mass killings that happen 
over and over and over and over in America. I'm really unsure how to address this topic because literally two weeks ago when we talked about the the shooting in Buffalo and I took an episode after it happened where I, I just didn't address it because I just, I couldn't, I wasn't in the, in the mind state too. And then when I finally did, I posted the episode and, you know, I do the list of topics in the caption and several people were like, I love you, but I'm not ready to talk about Buffalo yet. I totally get it. I was like, I put it at the end of the episode so that, you know, people who weren't ready, because I was barely ready, I, I totally get why folks wouldn't be. I put it at the end of the episode so people could cut it off because they weren't ready to talk about it. Totally understand. And so I was like, should I address it? Because I think of this podcast as an escape just from the things that people write in about the podcast. You know, this is my downtime. This is my me time. This is my escape time. People listen in the gym. People listen at work. People listen when they're, you know, running errands. Um, You know, Kalila from Mess in a Bottle, she loved to run a marathon. She'd be running like eight miles. She listens to it then. So I almost feel like in a way, like I may be invading like your safe space time. But if I don't talk about this and up front, I would feel really stupid talking about anything else. There's nothing more paramount than the safety of children, the life of children. I think the death toll when I woke up this morning was 20, 19 kids dead and a teacher a couple kids and a couple adults still in the hospital fighting for their lives. This is horrific. And I feel like I've, I've been here before. Maybe I didn't have a podcast to talk about the last school shooting. And I don't even know which one that was. There's, there's so many. We hear about the ones that are like big. The one that just happened in Texas or Sandy Hook or Columbine or Parkland. But these Shootings keep happening. It's a very American phenomenon. I was looking at some chart the other day and they were like, oh, school shootings in America. And it was like 200. And every other country considered first world or third had like zero, one. There was another country that had three. And then there was the United States with with hundreds. It's terrifying. No one else kills like us. No one else has access to guns like us, especially not assault rifles for which the sole purpose is, you know, being able to kill lots of people at one time. There's absolutely no reason for the average American to have an assault rifle that can just like spray people, that can kill masses of people. There's no reason that these should be available on the streets. And we've been saying this for years, for years. We say it, especially after every school shooting. Some people do, not everyone. But it's just basic. It should be basic common sense, but it's not. And I mourn these children. I I feel absolutely awful for for their families, for their friends. I mean, I have difficulty with this this event. And I'm I'm not anybody's mom. But just, you know, some random woman living the other side of the country from from the shooting. I'm just, I'm devastated. It's it's a tragedy. And the stories coming out of, of Texas, I think the teacher who was killed, she and her husband had four kids. They'd been together for over 20 years. The shooting took place on Tuesday. He had a heart attack yesterday and died, leaving behind the four kids. And I was like, that poor, poor man. Those poor, poor kids, you know, they may not have been slaughtered in a classroom, but your mama dies on Tuesday and your daddy dies on Thursday. You're not all right. And you, it's going to be a long time before you're just okay. That, too, is, is a tragedy. And it it's all could have been prevented. These school shootings are not something 
that has that have to happen. I was reading on um, the cut last night because everyone's trying to figure out, like, you know, how did this happen? How did the shooter get into the school and what was the timeline and the aftermath? And I was reading this story on the cut about how officers, police officers who showed up to the school wouldn't go inside because the shooter was shooting and they didn't want to get shot. But by them not going inside as, you know, police officers who have sworn to protect and serve, a bunch of little kids were getting shot up and the parents outside for obvious reasons were flipping out. I'm reading this again on The Cut. It's thecut.com and it's a story called What We Know About the Police Response to the School Shooting. There's some question as to whether there was a school resource officer. At one point they said there was one and, and he was an, and he engaged the guy and he'd been interviewed by the police. And then it came back and it was like, actually, there was no there was no resource officer. My bad. My bad. I was reading in the same article about parents shouting for the officers to go inside and they wouldn't. We just talked about that. Here's what really got me. I was reading this article and I literally gasped out loud at the insanity, at the inhumanity of it all. There was this woman, her name is Angelie Rose Gomez, and the cut is quoting an interview that she did with the Wall Street Journal. She said, after hearing about the attack, she drove to her children's school and she saw the police just standing outside the fence. She says they weren't going in there or running anywhere. She said she and others politely, which I was like, that's the thing more than I would do in the moment. She said they politely asked the police to intervene and then they began pleading. Gomez says the federal marshals handcuffed her, telling her she was under arrest for interfering in the investigation. This is the mother of at least two children who were trapped inside of school during an active shooting. In which, again, like 19 kids are dead. Same woman, she says she saw other parents pepper sprayed and tackled to the ground and tasered. She said she eventually persuaded other cops to uncuff her. And then she ran into the school and removed her kids. She said of the forceful response to parents, they didn't do that to the shooter, but they did that to us. That's how it felt. I just... What the fuck? What the fuck? This is a clusterfuck of, of mass proportions. And there are so many things that bother me about this. Obviously, murdered children being the most paramount. I, I struggle with giving in to the grief of this situation because I know nothing's going to be done. After Sandy Hook, which, which again, which little kids slaughtered. Parkland, which, you know, bigger kids, but kids nonetheless slaughtered. The Asian folks at the massage parlor the people at concerts in Vegas, the black people in grocery stores, the black people in church. Nothing ever gets done. Nothing ever gets done. We have these national conversations and, and a good half the people are talking about gun control. Okay, you don't want to violate the Second Amendment. You don't want to take everybody's guns. We get that this is a constitutional thing, although there were no assault rifles at that time. I think people were talking more about for their hunting and, you know, maybe a gun to, to secure the homestead, which that at least makes a bit of sense to me. Who is coming in your homestead that you need an assault rifle? Who are you so afraid of? We've been through this so many times before and, and every time. Conversations about gun control. We'll talk about mental health. 
We'll talk about rap music. Somebody will talk about marriage rates and fathers in homes, violent video games. Like they've been talking about that since Columbine. I think Columbine was in the 90s. Like we're 20 years out now. But nothing's done about any of them. I'm a creative. I'm a writer. I, I don't want to see censorship in music. But if the sacrifice for rappers and, and other forms of music. It's not like rappers are the only people to talk about crazy shit. There's a lot of crazy shit in a lot of music. But if we have to alter the music in order to get people to stop shooting up schools, is that not a sacrifice I think most people would be willing to make? The same thing with video games. Like, I mean, I have no dog in this fight. I wasn't into the shoot 'em up games. Like, I was more like a Super Mario Brothers type chick. If you have to legislate to lower the violence in video games in order to stop people from shooting up schools, I think most people would be willing to do a whole bunch of shit to stop people from shooting up Schools especially, but also churches, grocery stores, massage parlors, like it, concerts, like any, any of this. The mental health conversations, we keep talking about mental health. If you genuinely believe that there is a mental health crisis and, and the quality of mental health across the country is what's causing people to do these mass shootings, why are you still not funding mental health properly? I was reading something the other day. I think it was coming out of Texas. Yes. Okay. Boom. It it came right up when I went to it. Governor Greg Abbott, he's the governor of Texas. He says the reality is as horrible as what happened, it could have been worse. Could it? He's blamed the mass shootings because there have been many in Texas on mental health problems. The cut points out that Abbott recently cut $211 million from the State Department that would provide such support. You're saying it's mental health. You're skipping over the obvious, the guns, the access to guns. You're going straight to mental health. You're going straight to mental health and saying it's a mental health problem. Okay, but you're cutting funding for mental health. So just just say you don't give a fuck. Just, it's, it's easier than trying to okey-doke people. Just say you don't give a fuck. But I think at this point, it's, it's really clear. Like, nothing's going to come of this. There's not going to be any profound legislation. Guns are not going to be limited. We're going to be having the same conversation about the next school, the next grocery store, the next church, the next concert, the next mass event. What's today? And it's about to be hot outside, so there's more people just all gathering together. It's May 27th. Before the end of summer, we'll be talking about another shooting. School will be out for the summer, thankfully, so that should keep one from getting shot up. The kids in summer school, you might want to be worried. But before the end of summer, we'll have another mass shooting because it's America. It's America. And I mean like a major mass shooting because apparently a mass shooting happens like every day, every other day. Because we talked about this last week and I don't remember the numbers. Um, I don't have the study in front of me. The number of mass shootings in America this year already is 100, was it like 190, 198. And that wasn't including this one. We just haven't heard about most of them because, you know, it's what the wire used to call a 40 degree day. Nothing to get excited about. Man, my empathy goes out to all the parents, especially with school-age children, whether they're small or whether they're big. There's a false sense of safety around American schools, the idea that, you know, you send your kid to school and you expect them to come back in one piece. Nobody sends their kid to school. I mean, as often as these school shooting happens, still, nobody sends their kid to school with the expectation that they could be slaughtered. Like, you think that that's something that happens over there until it happens at your kid's school. But I can't even imagine, like, the difficulty of, of parents on Wednesday morning shipping off their kids to school for their end-of-the-year activities. My heart breaks for, for everybody. I wish I had something more profound or in-depth to say, but that's... This is some bullshit. 
That's as, as deep as I got right now. <sighs> now that we've got that out the way, we can talk about some other things. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Last week, or earlier this week, rather, uh, I've told you I was hosting this event for HBO. It was the season series, the series finale for We Own This City, which is, I talked about the show a little bit on last week's episode. It's freaking amazing. It's a hard watch because it's about police in Baltimore brutalizing the community. I think because we hear so many like crazy stories coming out of Baltimore and it's, you know, police stuff and drug stuff. I think sometimes people forget that Baltimore also has like, you know, regular working man citizens who get up and go to work every day and, and, and ain't bothering nobody. And they were harassed by the police all the same. Um, I think people turn a blind eye to stories of police harassment when you think it's police harassing drug dealers and you're like well they're criminals and so yes they're being harassed because they're criminals but watching this series it makes it really clear that like yes some of the people that police harass and rob and kill some of them are criminals absolutely but some of them are also you know just regular degular people with regular degular jobs going to and from work or sitting on their own stoop of the house that they own or being pulled over in a car that they saved and paid for going to or from work. And those people were were harassed by police officers. Um, Their money was taken. Their houses were raided. So many crazy stories. There was one scene where the guy was like, yeah, I make 72 as a cop. And then I make like 70 in overtime. And they're still stealing from everyone. So like if you raid a drug dealer's place, you might get like $100,000 in cash and they might turn in $20,000. they will say they found $20,000 and they'll take the rest. If they pull somebody over and they have cash in the car, this guy said he just cashed his paycheck. It was $650 some odd dollars. They took $600 and only reported $50. The guy never got his money back even when he showed up with a receipt that the cops had seized his money. There was another guy who in the series, he had some equity in his house. He got the money. He had it in cash. It was $11,000 in a book bag. He looked like a working guy, and they took that too. It was wild. Um, There was another scene where a cop didn't feel like chasing someone, so he just shot him, and he killed him. 110% suggest that you watch this show. It's a very hard watch. 
It's police harassing people. I mean, intentionally running up in their houses to steal shit. It's a really, really hard watch. But the event that I did the other day for the show, it was interviewing the cast and crew about the show. John Berenthal, who I remember as Shane on The Walking Dead, he is one of the main characters on this show. He he plays an officer named Wayne Jenkins. And again, this is all based on real shit. He plays the hell out of this man. And he's so good that I was like, I don't think I like you right now. He's actually a very charming and very beautiful. He got energy. He's a really nice guy, like very charismatic, deeply passionate about his work. The guy that played Rolla on Power. I think we talked about this last episode. He was also previously in The Wire, which I also think I said, you know, last episode. I was like, I don't remember him from The Wire, but I was like, I remember him as Rolla. The big sister on Lovecraft Country, she was there. Um, one of the executive producers of the show, she was also an executive producer on The Wire. She was there. The director, the same gentleman, the same guy directed all the episodes. He was there. Another actor from the show. A mental health, I don't know if that's her exact title, a mental health and wellness, but she worked with the cast to make sure that they didn't lose it during the process of filming. And I never thought about this. I'm not an actress. When I go in front of camera, when I'm on stage, like I show up as myself. But she was talking about, you know, the actors portraying these roles in order to have effective performances, like they transform into the characters that they are portraying. And these aren't, you know, good and healthy people. They do a lot of heinous shit. She was saying how your body doesn't know the difference between your acting in this role and these things are occurring. She was like, you physically and mentally and emotionally feel all of this stuff. So one of the guys was talking about like there's a scene where and he was playing a cop and the cops are very violent. But they jerked up this woman and she tripped on something and sprained her ankle. And he was like, I felt so bad. And he was like, you know, we're acting and like she wasn't, you know, hurt, hurt. But still, like, I hurt somebody and I feel bad about it because, like, you know, I'm still me, although I'm playing someone who's really terrible. The guy who played Rolla, he was very candid on the panel. I wish it was recorded. It wasn't, though. But he was just really honest. He was like, the last, like, big role I had was this, like, Bobby Rush as a Black Panther. So someone who is very, you know, about community, about, about helping the community, about improving the community. I mean, the man went on to be a congressman. Um, and he's been a congressman out of Chicago like forever. But he was like, that was my last big role. And he was like, now I'm playing like this corrupt police officer. And to do the role well, I have to, you know, jump into who this person is. It's really, really hard. Um, and like to the point that like after the event was over, I, I went up to him. And mind you, I never met this man before in my life. But just because of the way that he spoke on the panel and people in the audience picked up on it, too, because like this other it was a really great. I know I'm jumping all over the place, but stay with me. There was a guy in the audience who when it was time for questions and he poured into the actor and he was like, I just want to applaud you for your transparency and talking about what you're going through. You know, just man to man, like, I hope that you're good. And like, I'm, I, I want the best for you and blah, blah, blah. It was a really beautiful moment. But I went up to him afterward and I was like, are you okay? I'm asking you human to human. Some of the things you said on the panel and, and, you know, just your overall demeanor. And I was like, I'm just checking on you. And he was like, I really appreciate that. Like that helps me be okay. That like knowing people care. And I was like, let me find out. I got like sliding this man's DMs once a month and be like, hey, bro, you good? (laughs) Just checking. But yeah, like that's it's really like difficult work. But the result, the art that was produced, the story that was told, um, the way that I hope that this show informs people about what's going on, not just in Baltimore, but in cities across the country. Baltimore is just one example. Um, There are corrupt cops everywhere. 
Um, but I hope the story really resonates with people. I say that, and I just want to be clear that, like, I really don't have as good as the show is, as impactful as it should be. I really don't have much faith. America is just so full of bullshit right now. Right now. America is just so full of bullshit. It always has been. But it's just like right now, it just seems like it's at a tipping point. It's like you can tell people like this is the corruption that's happening. These are terrible things that are happening. And every once in a while, you'll get a case like what happened in Baltimore where somebody actually does the investigation and they say that these people are crazy and they're criminal and they don't belong on the street and we're going to get them off. Like the story that is depicted and we own this city, those officers ended up in jail where they belong. But this is only a handful of officers. I'm sure there's more corruption in Baltimore and in every other city that hasn't been rooted out. And just like this story, like the whole community knew about these cops and knew how terrible they were. And it had been going on for years before anything was done about it by like the FBI or before anything was done about it. I mean, IAD knew, um, which obviously is part of the police department, but nobody was doing anything. We talked last episode how the guy, I think the one we talked about killing somebody, he got suspended with pay for two years. Like you killed somebody and they put you on vacation for two years. It goes all the way up the chain. But this happens everywhere. And, you know, a few people in Baltimore had to pay the price for it. But it's like, okay, five or six people in Baltimore ending up in jail doesn't solve all the problems in Baltimore. And it doesn't solve any of the problems anywhere else. So that was that. But it was otherwise like a good event. The Prosecco was plentiful. The crab cakes were seasoned well. They sent us home with goodie bags that were crab chips from Baltimore. And they were just properly seasoned with just the right amount of salt and Old Bay. I got home and I sat at my kitchen table and I broke every chip into two just so I could savor them one by one. And I was like, my God, I was like, I haven't been home since December. I'm like so super homesick, which I didn't realize until I was like, you know, savoring a small bag of crab chips. And I was like, has it come to this? It seems that it has. What else is going on in the world? Oh, Ray Liotta passed away. Really good actor. I remember him best from Goodfellas. There's an NRA convention. I think it's in full swing. It's, it's happening today. Despite two major mass shootings in the last two weeks. I keep reading two because I think people are thinking of like the 10 people in Buffalo, the 20 people in Texas. But, but there was also a big story in California where a gunman went into a church and shot, I think shot and killed, I think five Taiwanese folks. I think because you're talking about five versus 10 versus 20, people are overlooking that when that's just like, you know, a small mass shooting, not like a big mass shooting because, you know, it's not double digits. I think that's why it's being overlooked. Our folks just feel like we can only focus on one mass shooting at a time. You know, one took place in Buffalo earlier in the day. And then literally that afternoon in California, there was another shooting and people just aren't talking about that one. And they're just focusing on Buffalo. And then I ain't heard nothing about Buffalo unless it's in conjunction with Texas since Tuesday. It's like Buffalo just got overshadowed by this mass shooting of children, which to a degree I, I kind of get, even though I was very, very affected by Buffalo. All lives are equal, but children really fuck people up. Somebody put together images. They put all the kids together in one big image, I guess, call it a collage. I can't even look at it. Every time I see it in my timeline, I just like scroll by really quickly. I can't look at the really cute chubby cheek baby faces of children knowing that they got slaughtered. Next topic. I can't talk about it. Apparently on A&E, there's a biography of Bobby Brown. Why is everyone obsessed with Bobby Brown all of a sudden? 
He's been doing like a lot of interviews. And I'm like, is he doing the interviews because there's a show coming out? Or are there shows coming out because it's the anniversary of something? I'm looking at this um, this A&E advertisement. An A&E original biography of Bobby Brown, two-night event, starts on Memorial Day. This is actually from the Ebony Magazine page. It says, you've never seen Bobby Brown like this before. Get an intimate look at the R&B legend's personal journey during a special two-night biography event. I feel like I know everything I need to know about Bobby Brown. I mean, I'm sure there's more. And then there was like the new edition story. And then he had his own spinoff, Bobby Brown story, which was like two nights. That was four hours of Bobby Brown. That's a lot of Bobby Brown. And then like he's been doing a bunch of interviews lately. Bobby Brown showed up to the Breakfast Club. I felt so bad. I was scrolling. And you know how like Charlemagne posts the pictures. Like they do the, like when they have celebs on the show, they do the pictures in front of the step and repeat with, the, with, the, uh, with Angela, DJ Envy, Charlemagne, and the guests. And I was scrolling, and I want to say it was it was just Charlemagne and a man who I thought was T.D. Jakes. And I was like, T.D. Jakes is on The Breakfast Club? And then I looked closer, and it was Bobby Brown. I said, oh, no. Oh, no, my bad. My bad, Bobby. My bad, Bobby. I wonder if he's an emotional eater. His weight fluctuates a lot. And also, full stop, I'm just happy he's with us because Bobby has had a hard life. I think that's it for this week. I'm really sorry. I, I want to give you more for the episode. I want to give you more for the episode, but I just, I got dead kids on my mind. There's every other thing that I could talk about just seems so stupid and so frivolous and so minor in comparison. Yeah. We'll be back at it next week. I am am headed to Mexico in the morning. I told you my little cousin is is in Mexico until further notice. She's she's just decided that Mexico is where it's at from her. She's in between gigs right now. She's an actress. So she's like, I'm hanging out in Mexico until like the next project comes. And I was like, um, what a life. Chicken even 30. Just say, I think I'll just be in Mexico. Okay. One of my friends last minute hit me up. I mean, literally hit me on Tuesday and was like, you want to go to Mexico this weekend? She was like, yeah, let's just, let's just go. I need a break. And I was like, um, me too. Me too. So Mexico it is. Yeah, so I'll be doing the podcast from there next week. Hopefully I'll be in better mood disposition because this, this ain't it. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Find some time to celebrate something. Drink something, eat something, gather with friends, family if they're near. Enjoy life because, you know, as we've learned in the last few weeks, not that I thought it was before, but it's just become abundantly clear. Tomorrow is not promised. Make the most of what you got and where you at. Also, if you haven't picked up your merchandise for Ratchet and Respectable, now is a great time. Everything must go. All the merchandise is on sale, most of it up to 50% off. So if you are desiring Ratchet and Respectable merchandise, now is a great time to get it. There's the Ratchet and Respectable merchandise, and then there's also Cut the Check, Interested Men Act Interested. There's a few hoodies left from Don't Waste Your Pretty. I think those are like $25, $30. And then the coffee mugs for Don't Waste Your Pretty are $12. I think that's the only Don't Waste Your Pretty merch that I still have available. So so if you'd like a ratchet and respectable souvenir or Don't Waste Your Pretty souvenir of sorts, now's the time to get it. Again, up to 50% off. Head to DemetriaLLucas.com to pick up your merch. Now I'm going to go pack. My cousin, another cousin, not the cousin in Mexico. There's another cousin that just flew into town from Alabama. So I'm meeting that cousin later today for lunch. And then my friend is having a birthday party tonight at 8. And at some point today, I have to pack because I'm getting on a plane in the morning and I ain't packed shit. So we'll talk again next week. Bye.